I think so. If he can't, we may as well just go without... That's enough. Tali, I forbid you to die. One, two, three. Podcast episode. This isn't a song, but you hear hey, the music Zach. behind my voice. Hi, Eric. Hi, Micah. It's Friday. <laughs> I was just a very inspired It's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday. Indeed it is. And you know what that means. Happy hour. Happy hour. Happy, happy hour. hour. Happy hour. Oh. Well, actually, mm. Thursday is usually the the bigger happy hour. Oh, Friday yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm glad that smashed, happy hour right? is finally <laughs> upon us because I really want to take the black this evening. Do you, Eric? Take the black? All, yes, all, I do. All by your lonesome or amongst friends? Oh, amongst friends, of course. <laughs> amongst friends. Um, it's just the problem is the wait is going to be just a little long for Take the Black Stout, <laughs> this is the new <laughs> beer being released from the Amargong, uh Brewery. This sounds so much like an ad, but I promise you guys listening, this is not an ad. By the way, we're Game of Bones. Thank you for joining us on Friday because, you know. We're like, a podcast. We are. Thank and you, We Micah. are really just excited about that beer. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Micah was like, that's the day everyone gets smashed. So if you're listening to Game of Bones as you pregame, if anyone is, is having a session at their house where they're putting on makeup or maybe they're getting out of the shower and just, you know, shaving a little bit and they're, they're pregaming to this podcast, kudos to you sirs or ladies kudos to you i got nothing cool yes. to say that's just cool what I, well, well what i noticed immediately about uh this particular beer is that it's seven percent alcohol by volume so what are you trying to not say bad. not bad it, it could be a little bit higher in terms of its alcohol content yeah no it's but... definitely higher than that shider you drink all the time <laughs> <laughs> you're right and i get drunk off one of those <laughs> i get pretty buzzed but i'm excited about this i i like stouts and uh you know, it's going to be out in the fall, but I want to know where the hell I can go to buy this. Well, oh. Amagong. Amagong, Amagong Germany, clearly. Yeah, clearly. Or Sweden or Norway or wherever it is. Where's Marco? Can he can he <laughs> pre-order like two kegs of this and, Marco, and have it shipped over? We know you're listening. Please bring two kegs to the first Game of Owns live show, please. You'll be a guest of honor as usual, and we will also share the beer with everyone that has come. So... Just in case oh. you haven't heard of our um, our make believe live show that we're having sometime, we we're not sure. Um, you should come because there will probably be take the black stout, which will probably be delicious as well. Guys, I am blown away. We brought Marco into this. We're we're talking about it being this foreign beer. It's from Cooperstown, New York. Oh, it's where the hall of suck. baseball hall of fame is. It's a poser. It's a poser. <laughs> it's brewery. No, that's just the it's name. Like- you think it's yeah, but you think it's like Austrian, and their website is hilarious. They have these these like this old man and woman in 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 a in authentic old garb, like old world garb. There's two men fighting on stilts. <laughs> I mean, this is this is beautiful. You got to see this. Amagong It's a tournament of gnats. <laughs> uh, of course, of course, though they have all these. these well, this is not their first Game of Thrones beer, but it is the first beer I will try. Um, because I'll probably go to New York specifically for it when it comes out. I've talked to to Phil about the older beers in the past. To those of you listening, Phil runs Winter is Coming. He's Winter Phil, as we know him, or Winter. And I was like, uh, hey, sir, how was that beer that you had? And he was like, well, hello, uh, chap. It was delicious. No, but seriously, um, he's like, I'm not a beer guy. And uh, honestly, I don't really know that many people that are real beer people. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Real beer people. Because beer is yeah. good. But then there's your friends that are just like, well, we're, you know, craft beer and up. And it's like, all right, relax. It's just whatever. But I mean, I get <laughs> it. I get I completely get it. I completely get it. Because I mean, who doesn't appreciate something that's made well? Awesome. But he says, I'm not a beer guy, but this is good shit. So I can't wait. We need some when we record. And I don't know why we're talking about this because we're definitely <laughs> going to be talking about Sansa this Friday night. But it's Friday. <laughs> yes, we people. are. But, uh, I did try the, uh, the blonde ale. And uh, it was pretty good, so oh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to see what the uh, the take the black stout is like because I'm sure uh, I'm sure given the uh, nature of this series that uh, they will not disappoint. Mm. That is for mm. sure. But you know who would enjoy any of this Game of Thrones themed beer? The Hound. Who? Well, no, not the Hound. I don't think the Hound is very much... Uh, He's a wine guy, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say Sir Dantos. <laughs> Would he? I don't think he is very particular about what he drinks. Do you? You know who I think might... Uh, it just is a, is a pursuer of uh, drinks in general is this Eris Oakheart. Uh, I believe he likes Bacardi Oakheart. Bacardi Oakheart. <laughs> that, that was rough. That was a rough hey, transition. It was good. It exists, three, man. three attempts at transitioning. <laughs> That's what they were. To this chapter. I we were still talking about the beer. Mm. There is an Oakheart rum by Bacardi, and that's all I could think of when I was reading about Eris Oakheart. Is there really? Yeah. All right. You're telling me that we talked about beer unplanned because we uh, saw the article and we made a transition how we always make jibes at you for making transitions, but you made what might be the best transition I've ever heard in my life just now. No, no, no. Well, there is. It's a little obscure. I mean, who knows Oakheart rum? Bacardi has like a million rums. Um, in general, though, I think the theme of adult beverages was tied into this episode, and that's I awesome. just justified its existence. You see that, ladies and gentlemen? Pros over here. Pros, that's us. Um, and speaking of pros... There, this is a book that we're reading. (laughs) 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 Oh, we're on fire. Sansa. Sansa's not the hound used to be. um, You know what else is on fire? The comet. What? Uh, the comet the was com- in the, the sky. It's on fire. The comet isn't going to be in all these beginning chapters because it's uniting all of the characters geographically spread across Westeros, correct? Yes, everybody gets to say, what is that up there? It looks like a giant comet. Penis. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, that scene in Austin Powers where it's always something else. Rolls. Oh my God. Do you egg see rolls. that? Egg rolls. Egg rolls. Egg rolls. Yeah, no. What's like that? That's probably what Baelish would, would see if we were looking at a chapter from his point of view. <laughs> Most likely. <laughs> Possibly. But uh, yeah, I mean, all jokes aside, um, we're hanging out, having a good time, and hopefully you guys are too, because it's time to dive into chapter two, into two of Game of Thrones book two, 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 two. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how it's happening. And I thought of a ballerina dancer just then because they wear tutus and I need <laughs> to stop. You guys, you guys just, Sansa was here. This was her chapter. This is a podcast. Go on, please. Keeping in the theme of having a good time, it's Friday. This, this chapter was also a birthday chapter. Hey! Birthday! Though in Westeros, they call them name days. They do call them name days. It's true. And, uh, we got to, uh, get, I thought, a pretty good glimpse into Joffrey's character. Now, again, we're seeing it through the eyes of Sansa. So, obviously, she's going to have a bit of a biased perspective. Um, mm. But I think just from the way he interacts with those that are his family, 
can give a pretty good insight into the type of individual that he is and it's not a very good one and it only you don't get a good feeling about where his character is going to be going as the story progresses it's actually really mm-hmm. funny that you mentioned that because in the first book we got to see a glassy perspective of Joff as well but it was completely different than what we're getting now so right now we're cracking into what is the Sansa that so many people know and love. This is the Sansa that is cunning. This is the Sansa that is behind enemy lines every single day, basically <laughs> towing life and death by what she says to this guy. And, you know, I think she did pretty well considering the fresh wounds that's been happening to her recently. Yeah, it was definitely an eye opener um, into the, the idea that Joffrey is still going to torment her. Um, and he, she is still his plaything, and and it's it's quite um sick, really. I mean, he has people go up to her tower and beat her, uh, you know, when things don't go his way. And oddly enough, she's still there, able to go, you know, when he says, "I'm going to kill your traitor brother," or "I'm going to fight him to the death myself." She says, "I should like to see that," <laughs> and he's not quite sure if she's like, "Oh." I should like to see that because you're going to lose and get your ass handed to you or what. And so obviously that prompts a little bit more of a a tension from him, which is, again, not a good thing. But this whole chapter is all about that. She's sitting next to him at his name day tourney and uh, just watching him king or magistare to these people. You know, the show actually did a really good job depicting this because – they couldn't throw the same kind of tournament that they did for Ned becoming Hand. You know, and Sansa went into it a lot. She was talking about how beautiful it was, seeing all of the tents and all the different sigils outside of the tents for those few days that she considered some of the most favorite of her life. Because I can imagine that was almost like a mini con or just a a bigger con. You know what I mean? Like all the nations gathering and celebrating over her father. That must have been for, for the younger Sansa last book, a really amazing thing. But this one they have to do inside of the walls of the city because you know there's threat of war and shit happening so i think they did a really good job in the show because i never really understood it perfectly but now after reading it it's like okay i get it they were having a tournament when joffrey was standing there shouting stuff to everyone and it wasn't just you know a little thing and i knew it was a celebration for his birthday but i didn't understand it completely you know but this is a lot of great context i agree I mean, I remember seeing uh, the, the guy in the pit or down below and Joffrey up top before. Um, but it was nice that this this chapter was focused on this event. We still got a lot more information and we just got to see Joffrey act and, and, and be king for a while. And strangely, without the presence of his mother, um, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Who's not very happy that Tywin didn't come to King's Landing. No, he didn't yeah. listen to the queen. He's off at Harrenhal. Well, I mean... I'd probably rather be in Heron Hall than King's Landing, honestly. That's really? What, yeah. I mean Heron Hall's kind of a hole. It is a hole, but King's Landing, I mean, just just but like it's his hole. It's his hole, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> no. Th- I mean, there's a lot of I mean, just Joffrey's whims as a king. You know, like, oh, I just want to kill all these people because the tournament sucks. Because the tournament wasn't as big as the last one, so they kind of have to improvise on the kind of people they're drafting in. Including Tommen's yeah. joust mate, the eight-year-old <laughs> jouster, jousting a straw man that has like a retractable, retractable padded mace that when he gets hit, swings around and hits him back. That is brilliant. I should have had that as a child. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where was where where were our outings on the on the jousting, uh, you know, grounds uh, as children? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I missed my childhood um, because that did not happen to me. No, I never took any frustrations out on a scarecrow or anything like that. 
I used to blow just, up beaver dams. I should have spent more time in the field. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, no, I mean, Tommen had a lot to do in this chapter. And it was interesting um, because him and – or he and uh, Princess uh, Marcella were also at this name day tourney. And uh, they, you know, got to – we got a little bit of their character. And, and this is something that, I, you know, I think it did happen in the series. Um, but at the same time, we we do reading it too, get, get re-acclimated to who they are uh, as kids. Yeah, and yeah. it was good for Sansa to relate Bran's age with Tommen because I just think it's 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 good for her character to keep relating as much back to the Starks as possible at this point. Mm-hmm. And George is doing a really great job of just, like I said in last episode, just tying together a lot of the older bits from the story without getting too majestical in its description and wasting a lot of time. You know, he just really cares about pushing the story forward, it seems. Yeah, and she actually said at one point, speaking of Tom, and that she would have happily agreed to marry him. Why, oh, why can't he be the older brother? Um, she admires the little kid, and they actually have dialogue together just across, you know, wherever they're separately sitting, Sansa and Tommen. It's really interesting. Yeah, there's there's clearly a, a good relationship that exists between Sansa and Marcella and Sansa and Tommen, and Zach touched on it a little bit. I've, she looks at them as being comparable to her own family. Um, maybe not. There's no real direct relationship, I wouldn't say, between Marcella and, let's say, Arya. But definitely, as was pointed out, between uh, Tommen and Bran. So I, I think she's really latching onto anything she can at this point to have some kind of normal life despite this situation that she's been thrust into. And Eric, you touched on the fact that she is beaten pretty regularly, uh, which is not something that is mentioned quite often uh, in the television series. I don't know if they thought it'd be a little bit too much uh, to include, um, you know, somebody of her age being beaten uh, at with the consistency that she is. Um, but, you know, I thought it was an interesting addition to the chapter. The, the fact that she almost ranks the members of his Kingsguard in the way that that they treat her. Mm-hmm. You know, so Sir Aris is kind of the nicest of the lot, whereas you know all the others kind of you can pretty much rank them how you want to. And the Hound actually never lifts a hand to her. He never orders the Hound to touch her. Which um, you know maybe there's something to be read into that. Uh, as mm. well. Yeah. No, but watching watching Sansa um have to sit still, you know, when Joffrey reaches over and grabs her hand and it is said that, you know, very recently even um Sansa's heart would have been a flutter, you know, when this happened and and, and it used to be such a welcome touch. Uh now she had trouble not flinching away from him. And so it it, it is something that she's learning. Uh, to be very practiced and to be very hidden with how she truly feels. Uh, of course, some things do slip out, and it is said that she just can't control herself uh, from saying certain things. But fortunately for now, it doesn't get her into too much trouble. Well, it almost did in this chapter, though, when um, the dude arrived a little bit too late for his, his jousting match. 
And uh, in the show, oh, yeah, 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 Serdantos. Yeah, <laughs> so Serdantos rolls up, uh, wearing apparently no pants, just dangling in the wind, <laughs> uh, enjoying a fresh breeze, and trying to get onto his horse. And Joffrey didn't really like it too much. He was already annoyed. Uh, he called them gnats, the tournament people, just a tournament full of gnats. Well, to be fair, the hound said it was that first, that's why he wasn't competing. And then Joffrey stole that and used his. his the hound's line so yeah yeah he wasn't too happy about that situation and then sansa uh lost a little bit of control and was like please don't kill him but it's your name day how much <laughs> how was that for a save uh, i mean it, in, the, it, in the book it of saves, bode well yeah it's a pretty good save <laughs> i mean it, that's a yeah. close call already yeah but um you know i i thought for one that uh well obviously it was uh very generous for his new this man's new position uh to be in the world of the living but as joffrey's personal fool I mean, the man is pretty foolish, uh, just saying, you know, seeing how he was so drunk, he couldn't get up on his horse. Look, I'm sure getting up on your horse is pretty difficult, even when you're sober. Um, but the fact that he would even show up in this kind of a state, you're really asking for yeah. um, punishment or you're drawing too much attention to yourself. Um, you know, a tournament's about honor. I think uh, Robert Baratheon's probably the only one who could get away with riding a horse being that drunk. <laughs> and win, still. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I need win. Missed my thrust, the damn boar got me, but it's still not a boar, it's a man. Well, going off the whole Baratheon comment that was just made, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, the comet at the beginning of the chapter, and mm. uh, I think it's uh, Sir Eris who goes off and says that uh, you know the, the comet was sent here to herald Joffrey's ascent to the throne. It means that he's going to triumph over all of his enemies, you know, the red, the Lannister red. <laughs> and the reason why, you know, you mentioned Baratheon is Sansa, you know, aptly notes that, well, Joffrey's actually a Baratheon, you know, so why is it that if the comet is red, that that should necessarily bode well for him? Yeah, she was really confused about it for a second. She was like, well, shouldn't this be a golden comment? And he was like, well, meh, 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 you know, because she's thinking about her stuff. <laughs> I mean, like, you know how prophecies can be. They can bend in any direction. But she'd heard it be called the dragon's tail, the tail mm. of the dragon, which we all know uh, because we read the first book and we've watched everything so far that there are dragons mustering somewhere. Meanwhile, uh, leagues and leagues away, chapters and chapters away. I'm not sure if George is actually insisting that the readers take the comment as a sign from the gods, because anything in the cosmos that we see in the sky is, you know, it's a big ass rock. That is <laughs> that is a comment going across whatever solar system they're in. Is it a sign? I mean, what do you guys think? It depends who you are. I mean, I think that's a great part of sort of the opening chapters in this in this book is you're getting perspectives from so many different characters and what they think it is and what they believe it to be. Whereas you have somebody like Maester Cresson in the prologue who's providing the scientific uh, approach to it. And, you know, like you were saying before, it's a comet. It's it's a big ass rock in the middle of the sky and that's all it is. And But yet all these other people seem to have different interpretations and, in, in, you know, is it prophetic? You know, what what does it mean at the end of the day? My biggest concern regarding the comment is I remember it showing up in the TV series, but I don't remember it ever landing or hitting the – I mean, I guess it's different being a comet versus a meteor or meteorite, but does it just go away at some point? Do they not reference it at least – I don't remember anybody talking about in the show 
after that one episode where it was like introduced, is it just still circling Westeros? I, I mean, isn't it still part of the opening title sequence for Game of Thrones? I'm not sure about that, question. honestly. Yeah, I, I didn't see it at all in season three. And I'm not entirely sure if there's any sort of mention of it uh, after after this book. Um, hmm. So it could have just been put there for you know literary purposes, and you know in in order to kind of gain insight into different characters and their interpretations, and get more you know sort of inside their heads into how they operate. You're saying it's a red herring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a plot device, you know? It's a fish, yes. It's, it's a, just it's a red, red, oh, herring, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but it, know, is but it, it, it is red. It is red. It is red, unless you're colorblind, then it's a weird orange, but still in the same <laughs> shade. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what it was. It was connecting people geographically, especially uh, played well in the, the TV show, because they, yeah. rather than it being spread over a selection of chapters, it was spread over the episode, which was brilliant. And, you know, George having a history in TV writing, I can't help but to think that he really wanted to unite everything in the beginning of his book. And such a good idea, you know, not many of the books that I've read have ever, ever mentioned something like a comet flying through space, let alone one that prophetically uh, ties in so many of these characters. It's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, it is so, cool. Yeah, no, I want to just read something to you guys and, and get your feedback. Uh, because I thought uh, it kind of jumped out to me, and I was wondering if it did for you guys as well. Uh, it's for Sansa. She says, "Is it true?" She wondered, "Would the gods be so cruel?" Her mother was one of Joffrey's enemies. Now her brother Rob another. Her father had died by the king's command. Must Rob and her lady mother die next? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I read that too. That comment. That damn comment. I hate comments. Did I ever tell you that, guys? I just, I don't like them, you know, or asteroids. <laughs> hate them both. I just thought, hey, George, you're one cunning, craftily placing, just so kind of <laughs> threw it in there. It's Nobody crafty noticed. Beaver. Yeah, Sly. Crafty slick. Beaver. Is you're a crafty, crafty beaver. beaver, George, Uncle Ray. <laughs> but you build those dams like no. <laughs> You're so good at building dams. And in my childhood, I would destroy you with dynamite from the army surplus. But, you know, you've continued in your oh, career wow. and you've done a great job. Yeah, you know, they sold it without the fuses. But, I mean, you could just get the fuses anywhere. So, you know, I nearly took my thumb off once with inchers. That's a story. <laughs> but, uh,. <laughs> That's as close as I got to dynamite in my childhood. Speaking but, uh, of you know, fools. Think, yeah, yeah. Speaking of fools. No, Joffrey had, uh, would do well with some dynamite, I think, right about now. He wants to blow shit up, really hates things. He just comments openly about how boring the tournament is. Um, you know, he's a, he's rather disappointed. At one point, I was pretty sure he was going to sentence everyone who's participating <laughs> in the tournament to die. Um, he mentioned that, and he, I guess he just shied away from it, or or Tom, it was time for Tom to have his moment. But uh, I don't know, even how he behaved to his younger siblings um, was just kind of off, and uh, he doesn't care for them. He's not really any kind of you just don't see what he wants he's very impulsive and that's about it well, that's he's the only off i think that's impression that's part of this chapter is that he just is very disconnected from his family um mm -hmm. and very just disconnected from how to act appropriately as an individual as a human being he just he doesn't have that type of ability 
I think a lot of his problem had to do with the fact that he's just a little kid and these are his siblings. And, you know, in this chapter, mm-hmm. he mocks Tommen at one point. And he's like, well, mom wouldn't. You know, mom said I could do this. And he like he mocks him back. That's what a kid would say. And so it's like, <laughs> I am a kid. That's what, that's what we do. But Stop I, being childish. <laughs> but I mean, like, he's just a 13-year-old kid, you know, sitting on a throne, playing with his friends, essentially. But he's murderous and crazy. I mean, I can't say that at 13, I wasn't playing Goldeneye or something and just slaying some people. So this is, I mean, in his defense, the tournament was pretty boring. So uh, I think he needs to learn the distinction between reality and whatever he can just get away with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Despite his age, somebody is telling him about the Beggar King and how the Beggar King got it from the end of this phrase. You guys catch this? He hearkened back to the first book, Viserys the Dothraki. Right in this chapter, it happened, but uh, Joffrey turns it into, of course, some snide comment about uh, wouldn't it be nice if her brother died uh, by getting eaten by a direwolf? That so would hurt. it's talking about sigils coming back to bite you in the arse. Yeah. Um, but then I thought about Robert. Um, but then it, it, I guess it was a boar that killed him and not a stag. Even yeah, well, though Robert was kind of a boar. Like, <laughs> tournament's a bore. <laughs> and this tournament is a bore. Yeah. Not not Different. in that sense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The size of a bore. Like, yeah. Come on. It's yeah. very bore-like. Yeah. No, but it got tusks. me thinking, too. But a happy drunk bore. It got, it got me thinking. Oh, These sigils are definitely a cool – it's cool to have tradition. It's cool to have a, a symbol that represents you, your family, that sort of thing. Um, like, a, like a coat of arms. And, and I just – clearly, the sigils are – going to only become more increasingly important as the series goes goes on. Yeah. I'm thinking about getting one. A sigil? Wouldn't it be cool if we had sigils? Yeah. It would be cool if we had sigils. I have yeah, a large family one day. I'm going to have Winter Boo as my sigil thing. Oh. As my animal. As my aminal. Just a big old now, Winter Boo. Just, just as a side note, um, this has nothing to do with the chapter whatsoever. Uh, but... Uh, as I was texting with Zach uh, the other day, I tried typing <laughs> typing Winterfill, and my phone auto corrected it to Winter Boo. <laughs> so obviously, I've texted Winter Boo far too yep. many times that my phone has now yep. learned. Yep. The name. <laughs> All right. There needs to be Apple. Just needs an app where you can go into your autocorrect and program a bunch of words. I'm tired there of is. saying. I mean, what? it's not an app. It's you. Uh, this is what I do, and this has nothing to do with Game of Thrones. Oh man, <laughs> uh, I'll go into my my address book and I'll add choice curse words that I like to use as contacts, <laughs> so my phone doesn't correct it anymore. You know, so I have some interesting people in there. <laughs> <laughs> do you actually have numbers assigned to them? <laughs> no, just the names, but it, it works. So try yeah. that out, guys. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, good, speaking but, uh... of fools, uh, myself in this situation who needs to text certain words, I suppose, at certain times, um, this happened differently than the show. I definitely think yes. the show was a little bit more interesting because there was no like attack. You know, Joffrey immediately, the guy acted like an idiot and he was like, he told his squire to get him some wine. He's like, ah, I quit. Give me some wine because he messed up. And Joffrey immediately goes, yeah, wine from the cellars. I wish to drown him in it. But how did that happen differently in the episode? I'm I'm trying to remember. Well, they got well, they they, actually, no, I mean, they bring out the wine and they start pouring it down his throat. Oh, and he's yeah. like throwing up and gagging, and that's when Sansa finally chimes in and says something. But um, and, you know, in the book, Sansa was like, "Hey!" Immediately, she was like, "No, you can't do that." And he was like, "What? What yeah. can I not do?" And she's like, "Nah, nothing." 
it's your name day. <laughs> and the hound's like, well, it is your name day. And if you make mistakes now, it's going to haunt you all year, bud. And Joffrey's like, fine, I'll kill him tomorrow. What a fool. I guess it is effective to, to, to have shown that it's more effective. Like I like what they did there than in that, in the adaptation of this scene. Um, because it is, it's, it's something to say it, but when it's right there in front of you too, it just kind of makes you even more tense. Yeah, it was definitely a tense moment in the show because, I mean, what a way to kill someone. I know the Game of Thrones gets a little creative with his murders, you know, but uh, <laughs> gorging on Dornish wine. I mean, I could think of worse ways to go. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, so um, she she says, hey, this should be your new fool because look how silly he is. You know, obviously trying to be a good person <laughs> and save this guy's life. She's speaking up. She's brave. She's awesome. She's a Stark. We know and love her. Joffrey says, fine, he will be a great new fool, and he becomes one. He bows and skitters off. And we never see him again in the entire show, um, but that probably, theoretically speaking, will not be the case in the books. Hmm. So kind of wrapping up this chapter, let's talk about Tyrion. Yes, the surprise entrant into this uh, encampment of fools. <laughs> he just busts in. Looking like a magazine ad for some, like, for next fall's fashion, way ahead of everyone else, you know, with all of these sashes and stuff, and he's just flipping his hair out of his eyes. But it was interesting seeing Tyrion um, and Joffrey interact in the books, because it's something that they're famous for, I'd say, on the show. Yeah, and it was a pretty grand entrance. I mean, if you're reading the book and you haven't seen the show, and this is the first time you're learning more about the story, seeing Tyrion ride in after what we left what we were left with from the last book. Very, very cool. You know, we knew he was going to be the hand and here he is. Yeah. And, uh, clearly a very good relationship with Tom and, and Marcella. And he even starts a somewhat decent relationship with Sansa. Yeah. He has a tender moment with her and says that he will never savage her. <laughs> very tender. Thought. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty. He's just like just see, just so you wanted to know, I will never <laughs> savage you. Knowing that now and reading this, does it seem like foreshadowing like crazy to you guys? I think the seeds were definitely planted, and you know, you, you see that with any good writer that there's going to be stuff that you're going to come across, you know, as you reread through these books that you didn't catch the first time. You know, the 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 groundwork was laid because you know, he might not know everything while he's writing but overall plot points i think are very very clear in his mind and so putting something like these little mentions here or there you know you, I, and and there's definitely the chance we're over analytical i'm not going to say that that's, <laughs> that's what we're supposed to do case, it's okay <laughs> but that's what we're supposed to do and and but i think when we see things like this like we mentioned robin catalan dying earlier um you know those things are kind of subtly placed and you're supposed to pick up on them, you know, sort of the second or third time that you go through and read the book. Yeah, I think it was. And at the most, it's just a, a really good coincidence. You know, we, we, we like reading these things because it's like, oh, well, that's in, in, in light of what we just saw on TV. This is pretty interesting. It breathes new meaning into it almost. And, uh, you know, George planned it. And I'm sure that there are just so many things in this book. Clearly, he, they were planned. You know, clearly they were structured to be the way that they are. Um, but uh, it, it is it is just kind of fun to reread. So owns anybody? Anybody got any owns for this chapter? Kind of a weird own this chapter. I'm trying something a little different from what we're used to. Um, I'm going to give my own this chapter to all those brothers out there with 
with the weird, slightly off names like uh, Yalabar Zoe, Ermisande uh. Hayford, Eris Oakhart, you know, <laughs> Tonda Stokeworth, all the people who are Lalis and Fallis, Viserys, all these people because George R. R. Martin has created you and I could not have. From one writer or an aspiring writer to another, uh, let me just say that, that names are not easy. And uh, my hat's off to George in this one. They can't all Everybody. be named Eric Skull. They That's can't right. All be. Um, the hat's off your skull, Eric. Well, really, it's uh, Moros Slint, you know. And again, I was listening to the audiobook for this chapter, and uh, they introduce him. That's how Slint, you know, are from <laughs> Westeros. How Slint is like Robin Leach going, Yes, welcome. This is the Robin Leach <laughs> show, and Moros Slint is here. Well, anyway, um, Dantos Hollard, Luther Brune. Do I even need to name anymore? Uh, Please so. don't. Please, please. That's my own. <laughs> Micah, do you want to go? Mine's not very good. Well, I think it's better than Eric's, but <laughs> that might be stretching <laughs> How can you beat Follies and Lawless, man? <laughs> All right. My own will have to go to the stuffed fake horseman with the padded weapon. <laughs> straw because, Boy? Because, yeah, to Straw Boy. There you go. Straw <laughs> Boy, as we like to call him. Straw Boy gets the, my own today for this chapter because, you know what? It's Friday night. And anything that can knock a small boy off of a horse and cause people to cheer uh, wins an own in my book. Because, you know what? It was fun. And I'm glad Tom and I got to go out there and ride anyway. Because Joffrey's a fun killer. We call him a buzzkill around here. Yeah, he's a pretty big buzzkill. He's a bigger buzzkill buzz than Buzz Killington. <laughs> oh, well, that name wasn't very strange. You see, Eric, you can think of names. Buzz uh, Killington, Straw Boy. That's, Don't uh, cut yourself short. Yeah, yeah. No, I borrowed that one from uh, <laughs> Seth MacFarlane, but okay. Well, I wrote this down in my notes foreign own so uh, before uh, jumping ahead and trying to find something else to replace it I figured I'm gonna go ahead with it and uh, it's when uh, Joffrey is talking to Tyrion when he asked where Cersei was and uh, you know he says she's with my counsel your brother Jamie keeps losing battles and then he gives Sansa an angry look as if it were her <laughs> fault. He's been taken <laughs> yeah. by the Starks, and we've lost River Run, and now her stupid brother is calling himself a king. And Tyrion just responds by saying, all sorts of people are calling themselves kings these days. Mm-hmm. Take that, you stupid Take little that. Joff nephew. Joff. Joff. Joff you. Joff you. Joff you. You stupid Joffew. Maybe people that wrote in could have owns that equate Joffew's own. Right there, Micah. What do you think? They very well could. And and I'm going to go out on a limb and say they might be better than Eric. <laughs> All right. First own. I'm going to take this one from Twitter. Dantos hollered, Micah. Just saying. Marin Trant, Haber Redwine. Come on. <laughs> Horace Redwine. The names, man. Eric, you take one from Twitter. I will you're, take you're in, one. You're into it. I'm in it, man. I am in it. Okay. Monica Simmons says, owns for chapter two, Tyrion, steals the show with this gem, quote, is that what they say, your grace? That was uh, when he asked them, he's just making a fool of Joffrey. You see, Joffrey is a punching bag this episode. Excuse me, this chapter. You see, we're not quite in the mix yet. We're getting there. It's true. It's kind of, it, well, fine. This episode. He's a punching bag for this podcast episode. See, it makes more sense that way. There you go. You brought it around full circle. There we go. Very good uh, job. Yeah, Thank six. you. I meant, I meant that the whole time. Susan Stacy says, Sandor to Joff, a man reaps what he sows on his name day. Tyrion, a little lion, 
I promise not to savage you. I don't want to get savaged by a lion of any size. True mm. story. That's true. And in addition to the tweets that Eric just read, we did get a couple of more owns on the winner's coming comment thread on the previous episode. And Winter's Lion writes in to say, my own of the next chapter, meaning this one, goes to the straw man for smacking Tommen in the back of the head. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Paradise Law says, my own is the hound for making Joffrey believe in this is very similar to the uh, the one we just got on Twitter. What a man sews on his name day. Stuff that Sansa just made up. And for making Sansa <laughs> think that she accidentally invented something that was true. Naive <laughs> quick thinking. little bird. Aww. I will say, though, I like how they chose to go the route of blacking out their owns as if they were these big massive spoilers <laughs> the series see that's oh, why you have to do the winter is coming because i've already told myself that i would not i've already promised that not to go beyond the black text yeah i will never take that black ever i'm just gonna ignore <laughs> it of all times all right well uh, in fear of making any more bad puns it's time to pivot towards some emails that we got because we did get some emails ahead of time for this chapter and actually um we got a few emails that were similar and by similar i mean they pretty much said the same thing, which means that this is a popular thought. And I'm going to summarize if I could. Big McLovin 138. uh, I don't want to say his full email because then you guys might hit him up and be like, how'd you get such a cool username? Uh, He sent us an email in addition to Tim Mulligan who sent us an email. And I'm going to read let's read Big McLovin's because they said the same thing. All right, so Big McLovin, you're up on the pedestal. How do you all feel being inside Sansa's mind through this whole ordeal changes your perception of her, (laughs) Uh, if at all? It's difficult to portray on screen how hard she tries to mask her true feelings toward Joffrey and everyone around her. It makes your character frustratingly boring to watch for the first two seasons. It also means that because we didn't fully see how she lives in constant fear, it's not as understandable that she would be wary of Tyrion when she learns the news that she would have had to marry him. Hmm. Not making Tyrion nearly as physically repulsive, making her primary complaint that he's a dwarf, and being unable to show how deep-seated her mistrust of the Lannisters has become causes show Sansa, hey, no space in that word, that's pretty cool, (laughs) to come across much worse than book Sansa. Again, one word, pretty cool. Capital S, though, I like that. The common show watcher basis for hating Sansa is that Tyrion has been nothing but nice to her. But an important line that would have made it all understandable is the fact that, from her point of view, Cersei... Has to be nice to her, too. For some reason, to Sansa, it wasn't Cersei who got her direwolf killed. It was Arya for refusing to conform to Sansa's fairy tale views of life at court. Um, then he goes on to talk about Bran, and he says that he's excited to see what our thoughts are, Eric, on the Winterfell storyline, because it's different from the show. That will be exciting. And he goes on to say that his own of the chapter goes to Dantos' horse hmm. for forcing him to forfeit the tourney. First, Ned's horse breaks his leg, and now this. And now the and now this. Those damn Westerosi horses are clearly bred by House Trollton. True story. <laughs> Secondary own is that allowed. Would have to be Sansa and the Hound for telling the lie about name day killings. Not only does it save Dantos, but it also saves every man who rides in that tournament. Stay gooey, John. Big McLovin has name. Also, you know what, let's read the end of Tim's email. Tim's email was was excellent as well. He goes on to talk a lot about the Hound and Sansa and how GRM and the POVs with Sansa and yada, yada, yada. He signs off with his email saying, Finally, an interesting note. Joffrey has learned the fate of Viserys. This suggests to me that perhaps Jor Mormont sent another letter even after the assassination attempt in Book 1. 
That or the Lannisters have some more spies with Danny. Stay gooey. Mm. Everyone wants us to be gooey. Yeah. It is Thursday night. It is. Or, <laughs> yes, it is Thursday, yes. There's no better thing to do than to be gooey. Interesting take with what he was saying about the difference between what we see on screen versus what's in the book. I think that's a debate we can have many times uh, on this show, and we probably will. But really, I think it's something that can be said really for any character, not just Sansa, um, in terms of not always being able to see the full effect of what the character is going through. I mean, what's so unique about the book is that you're reading from so many different characters' perspectives, uh, and you're getting inside their mind, whereas you know, your perspective completely changes when you're watching the show because it's much more interactive. Very rarely do you get those moments where these characters are by themselves and you can kind of gain a little bit of insight into them. In the book, you're always inside their minds, so you see everything from their perspective. Yeah, I think what Big McLovin is saying too is that, you know, in Sansa's head, like this was maybe a bigger deal in the book, uh, the fact that she had to hold herself back essentially from from all that she wanted to do i think this is just another day in the life though uh for sansa i mean she is having this struggle but i don't really think it's gotten to the point where it's you know the the big you know climactic battle for her not to say something uh but she does have her moments in this chapter and uh you know it's just another it's just a way for george to develop the character that she's having to become this refined woman who doesn't speak her mind. Um, whereas before she spoke her mind, she was just living in a, as this guy says, a fairy tale universe. I'm really glad that they sent these emails because I've had, you know, we, we make the show so much and we, we tend to keep most of our conversation about the story within the podcast episode. So if you think something off on the side and it doesn't quite come to the front of your face in the middle of recording, it doesn't really get said, but this is a really uh, fair point because I can only imagine how hard it is to write Sansa's character for screen because as we've seen with her POV just in this first chapter of the second book, there's so much internal struggle going on. And how do you, you know, how do you direct Sophie Turner to say, listen, I want you to say this, but I want you in your mind to be thinking, I hope he doesn't kill my whole family in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's going to be really cool to continue the book further and see just how difficult it does get for Sansa and also for Bran, and also to see the story of Winterfell, and I'm excited. I think it's going to be cool. But yeah, Sansa definitely stood out to me and is uh, growing more in my favor. I did always like her before, but it's it's really nice to see what we've seen, you know, now a few years ago on the TV show, but from the original text. And it's, I don't want to say it's much better than the show, because that sounds kind of mean, but it is. Well, even from what uh, Selena keeps saying, she, I, mean, I fully expect uh, Sansa to be a real um, vicious stateswoman in the next couple of books as a result of what uh, Selena keeps saying about how cool she is. I'm waiting for it. You know, I'm waiting for her to really bite with uh, sharp teeth. Uh, well, she just married Tyrion, people. though, so she's definitely working it. Yeah, for sure. No, she'll relish that role eventually. You know, obviously for now it's still a little bit more traumatic, um, but they bonded in the, I guess, in the most recent episode when we saw them, and she's going to end up using that to her advantage, and it's going to be good. Not in a bad yeah. way, not in like a malicious way. They're just going to get along together, I think. I, I think it's also important to note that Sansa is one of the more difficult characters to write for George R. R. Martin. He said it in a, in a number of different interviews, and can imagine why, considering that she's a very young teenage girl. 
and uh, George doesn't seem like the uh, the type of person that can easily hop into that kind of person's mindset and just write freely. So it's interesting to see how her character develops just keeping that in the back of your mind. So you know what's next, everybody? We saw Tyrion this chapter. Let's see him again on Monday. We have his first chapter of the second book. It's been a while since we've done these books, and so it's going to be fun to redip ourselves inside of this new Hand of the King. That sounded dirtier than it should have been, but <laughs> <laughs> you guys understand what to do. If you listen to Eric, you'll learn everything. Yes, we get some great feedback in all of the ways you can contact us. One feedback that I will read right now is from Mary D. on Twitter. And Mary says, Dare I say, I might just enjoy your chapter discussions more than the show discussions, which I also like a lot, of course. She just mm-hmm. said it. Yeah. You said it, Mary. Mary said you that may, via Twitter. And in doing so, she tweeted, at Game of Owns, which is how you find us on Twitter. It's good to know. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Game of Owns, right on our wall. Give us a post, like us, and, and share Micah's us. been taken to posting some really interesting, some funny fo- photographs on there, haven't you, Micah? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll find the culprit of that soon enough. Those are fun. <laughs> it might be Sam. Sam, Sam. you know, oh. he, he mistakes one wall for another. And uh, I see. You know, That's he, why he had to clean piss off our wall all the time. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, Facebook is new to him, you know. It's, the upkeep. He's getting he's getting all excited, and now Instagram is providing video. So Oh, no. He's, <laughs> this, this whole technology thing is just blowing his mind. I'm looking forward to the next time we're all together again and the video hijinks that will take place because mm. we should dress up like characters from the show and dive into public places like rivers and parks and fountains. And I think it could be a good time. <laughs> we'll capture don't it on we video. we do that anyway? We do, but we don't capture it on video for the listening audience. I remember elephants that's... being in the fountain or something <laughs> to that effect. Oh, my God. Holy shit. I just remembered that. <laughs> yeah, the Royal Pacific, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the well, elephant room. That was a night. Or a few nights, if I can remember. <laughs> that was a night. Yeah, um, well, listen, uh, there's an email address. Please, Eric. Yes, Big McLovin and Tim both use that uh, to get with us uh, for this episode. So if you'd like to correspond via email, you can do that. Our address is contact at gameofowns.com. Gameofowns.com, we don't always uh, plug it, but it's our website. It is. It is. <laughs> and it's, it's a great very website. visually appealing. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's it's coming around. I think we should add some more stuff on there. We will soon. Yeah. And of course, there's uh, winterscoming.net where we read a couple of the comments from earlier. You can feel free to leave your feedback there as well in the episode post. You can choose for any reason whatsoever to blacken out certain parts of your messages to us. And so you can, you know, scare Eric and Zach a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. about what could potentially be in these messages. That's kind us. of the place where if you guys want to be part of the community, that's kind of the place where all the all the listeners hang out. Like if, if this was Saved by the Bell, this would be the cafe that everyone chills in. Winterscoming.net. They're just hanging out there, eating burgers, drinking shakes, commenting on our episodes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it actually sounds like a pretty good time. Yeah. Max, right? That was the guy. That's who- it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to remember <laughs> All I could think of is Kelly Kapowski. That's it. My mind doesn't go beyond well, Kelly when I think of that. Not many do. So uh, <laughs> if you like what you've listened to, you can head on over to iTunes and download more. And while you're downloading more, you can give us a nice little rate and review. There's a certain number of stars which you are allowed to give us. That number is five. Don't even try to give less than that because 
then just weird things start happening to your computer and you get error messages and blue screens of death and and you got to go to the Apple store or if if you're using a PC for some reason, I don't know who who even works on those these days, the dumpster. Dumpster. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, my point is nothing less than five stars is acceptable in the month of June. You guys know the drill by now, but we do really appreciate your feedback. It is great. Not only for us to hear what you guys have to say and we take it, you know, all constructively and look to improve upon what we do here, uh, but also for other people who may be interested in Game of Thrones, whether that be the show, the book, or both. Um, So we look forward to reading those reviews uh, next week. So drop us a line. Tell us what you think. And it is possible, remember, to be kicked to death. It is. Oh, that would be shameful. You don't want that to happen to anyone that you know. So make sure that not only yourself, but you and your friends all go there and do it because... This, let's be safe, guys. It's 2013. You know, the world's a scary place. I do have to say, though, we are very excited to do this book. We've been texting about it. We, you know, we're only a few chapters in, but I can see the horizon in front of me, and it's filled with chapters of great literature. So we are very, very excited to meet you guys on Monday. Yes. Monday, Monday. It's after Sunday, Sunday. I'm Zach. <laughs> I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. Good evening. Enjoy the finals. <laughs> Go Hawks. <laughs> They'll be over by the time. Oh, wait. This they're is- over now. <laughs> Oh, the NHL finals. Yeah. I was talking about the NBA, but that works too. Yeah, the Blackhawks.